Welcome to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. I am Eric DeGeer, business coach, massage therapist, game designer, and your host. This podcast deals with a wide range of interests framed within the five mountains, physical, mental, financial, relational, and spiritual. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Successful Massage Therapist. With us, we have Rebecca Brumfield, and we are going to talk today about being controversial. For people who are tuning in for the first time, I'm the founder of Badass Body Workers. I've been a spa owner for 10 years and a massage therapist for 11 years. And I love, like Eric said, being controversial, being a black sheep being your own unique version of yourself. And that's how we get ahead in life and business, I think. Well, there's good and bad controversy. Well, I wanted to deliver the opposing view as well. So we've got being controversial. And then I was thinking about it, like, what's the opposite? You'd be delivering what someone wants or expects or be what society demands. So where's the line, first of all, between those two? What do you consider controversial? Yourself described as controversial. What does that even mean? And we're playing good cop, bad cop, I see. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it's subjective, just like anything else's love, friendship, whatever. Everyone has their own unique version of it. I don't like the word controversy. I think of Kanye West whenever I think of controversy. I definitely have ruffled a few feathers before in a good way. And I think whenever you go above and beyond to be outside of the box and different and away from the norm, you get noticed either way, whether it's a good or a bad thing is how you deliver that message and how you portray yourself and how you want people to convey you. Speaking of Kanye, you think that he just went up there and did that. No, that shit was planned out. Like, you know, it. like people know how to leverage their personality and their characteristics and traits and habits in, in order to elicit a response from their following and from their audience. And speaking of celebrities, take Miley Cyrus. She went from Disney cutesy little princess Hannah Montana, America's sweetheart, little girl next door to overnight, like, you know, half naked twerking on and swinging around on a wrecking ball. Like, actually, you know what? There's a quote in my journal. Let me find it because I just wrote it down. Speaking of Miley Cyrus, I do a lot of journaling. Miley Cyrus said about the whole incident of like changing her brand and stuff. She said, it inspired me to use my platform for something much bigger. If the world was going to focus on me and what I'm doing, then what I'm doing should be impactful and it should be great. Extreme variance makes a huge point. And that was what Miley said about redefining her purpose. So it wasn't that one, like she had to be extreme to make a point because she already had like a brand out there. Anyways, I don't even know if that actually answered your question, Eric, but I'm going to let you take over from here. Basically, what you're talking about is a form of leadership. Being controversial is moving against what is expected of you or what's normal and heading toward a new direction, heading toward a direction that you deem important. And I think that people aren't controversial just to be, you know, I guess some people are controversial just to be controversial. But I feel like any time that's really important, you know, their balls are on the line. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there and be different. Like Miley Cyrus. She's probably hugely influential for a lot of people. So if you think about it, she's being controversial. But in turn, this is what I find is really fascinating is that she then becomes part of the norm. She's creating a new norm. 
definitely a trendsetter, you know, and we, we mm-hmm. see that a lot. I always say you only know what you're exposed to. So you're not exposed to different ways of thinking of being unique and thinking outside of the box and just really putting on your thinking cap and doing something completely outside the norm. That is very fucking difficult to do. It really is because, again, we only know what we're exposed to and we're safe in our little bubble of fight or flight response and we're safe here. So why do anything different? And you do something different and all of a sudden you're under scrutiny or you are creating a whole new trend and then all of a sudden there's big ass demand for something that doesn't have a lot of supply yet. And it's really cool to see how fast things take over, especially the social media platforms, because I'm not living based on society standards. New standards are being formed every single day. And the more and more I connect with other people online who are nomadic and who are self-employed and digital nomads and podcasters and body workers of all sorts, like there's just so much community to connect with. And you start to see that you're not alone in this. And really like this whole idea of society standards that the American dream is a load of bullshit anyways. Everyone knows it. Like that was back during when people were coming over from famine stricken, war stricken countries. They were coming over to like do the American dream. Well, newsflash, it's not like the white picket fence anymore and, and having a corporate job. Like all that is changing. We see that with the gig economy, you know, and in our field, that you know, stuff like, what is it like thumbtack and zeal and soothe and stuff, but it's crazy. We are creating the new norm. Like we're doing it right now. It's pretty awesome to be in this generation. And that's one of the interesting things I was reading about intergenerational dynamics. And it talked about how you have a pattern of generations. You have the ones that are more conservative and they hold on to ideals. And you have the next one is the more of a rebellious generation to change things. And then they slowly fade into the more conservative generation. The next one rebels. Like each generation, when it starts up, has its own little rebellion to go through against the previous one, its own little cause to stake its flag in. But eventually, since they've created new norms, they become the ones to defend those norms. And they become the ones holding on and saying, no, this is how it is. That's the aura (laughs) cycle of coming around full circle, huh? Yeah, well, everything has its cycle. Keeps things flowing for sure. And we're seeing those cycles come by quicker and quicker because of social media and stuff. I mean, we can use it for good. We can use it, like Miley Cyrus says, to be impactful. Like, if people are going to look at what the fuck I'm doing, it might as well be for a good reason. Like, I'm going to stick it for the underdogs. I'm going to, like, help push people out of their comfort zone. I'm going to encourage someone, you know, to quit their nine to five or their franchise job that they hate that's sucking the soul out of them. Two, three times a week, at least, I get messages from people in my community who are like, holy shit, I just hit six figures this year. I did not think that was possible. And honestly, like I didn't even really coach them. I just had a wonderful community where everyone supported and helped each other. One person can definitely have a huge domino effect on people. And that could be good or bad. I choose for it to be a good, but in a very black sheep way, if that makes sense. No, I think that you definitely like to stick out. You're not afraid to speak your mind, even if you see it going against something. Maybe a, maybe a rainbow-colored sheep. Maybe then. a rainbow color. <laughs> <laughs> Not entirely black. You use your powers for good. We both like podcasts and stuff. And I don't know if you listen to The Mindset Mentor, but Rob Dial with The Mindset Mentor. Great podcast, guys. Definitely my top three faves of all time. He says, your need to be like everyone else will make you invisible. Pretty much like okay. paraphrase. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting when traveling 
seeing the different types of people in the world. And there's definitely some that are more community minded. So the need to stand out isn't necessary always in other cultures. In the Netherlands, they have a saying, the piece of wheat that sticks about the others is one that gets cut first and forms or your <laughs> The tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like you're going to get cut down. What's really interesting, though, when I was finishing up my degree, one of my last semesters, I decided to take an anthropology class. So I had originally at the start, after I finished my drama degree, I decided I wanted to go into either psychology or anthropology. In this anthropology class, they talked about how in hunter-gatherer society, you have two different groups. You can call them the imitators and the innovators, so the ones who oh. invent things and the ones who copy them. And they said a village full of imitators is just as bad as a village full of innovators. Because if you have a village that constantly everyone is inventing and everyone's coming up with new spearheads, you know, new arrowheads, new ways to hunt, but no one is replicating it then that village is in a site they're not improving at all because everyone's just chaos everyone sounds is... like all the projects <laughs> i'm going at the same time yeah exactly <laughs> it's like oh shit there's a new way to do this there's a new social media strategy there's a new marketing tip for therapists let me get on that yep yeah oh. and that's how i found myself too but having a village full of imitators so imagine if you just did the same thing over and over and you never tried anything new like this village would be stuck in the cycle of repetition, like they would That's never what perfectionism improve. is too. You so, know, you're just trying to perfect the right way to do something, and then you get stuck in analysis paralysis, and you didn't take steps. Like, you know, we're recording this podcast today in September 2021. I wanted to start my podcast that I just launched a couple of months ago, five years ago, and I look at people who started off kind of like five years ago, and I'm like. Jesus Christ, I was just stuck. But at the same time, I think I study people so much that I don't want to be like them. When I first started doing massage therapy, straight out of school, like 11 years ago, I would cut out the local ads in the papers for massages and spas and study what everyone else was doing. So I would do the exact opposite. So yes, I did study my competition, but it wasn't to imitate them. It was to do the exact opposite anti-role model. Kind of, but in a way, looking back on it, it's like, okay, well, I like clear direction on who I wanted to get on my table. And again, like you only know what you're exposed to. I was only exposed to running sales, doing ads to get people in the door. That's what you do. Same thing with social media. We're only exposed to what we see. So it's important to like get out of our village and mm -hmm. go talk to other people yeah, in other villages. Repeating the same mistakes over and they found, have you heard of the Pareto principle, 80-20 rule? Oh, yeah. yeah. So they actually found, it blew my mind. She's like, well, we found like the perfect ratio is 20% innovation and 80% imitation. So creating, and I actually took this to heart and I was like, I need to apply this to my own life. Now with my time, I spend 20% of it innovating and creating new things. And 80% of the time repeating what worked. And I need you to can do even, that. Yeah, you can even take your efforts and do it the same way. Like, I love the 80 20 principle. This is how I was going to apply it back in to what we're doing is not everyone can be making a podcast. Not everyone can be Miley Cyrus going out there and swinging a wrecking ball. Like, it would be chaos. You'd have all the wrecking balls hitting into each other. One. Not everyone can walk out on a runway with a neat suit on, Lady yeah. Gaga. <laughs> yeah. You need to have the innovators and you need to have the imitators. And that can be more fluid, like who does what, when. But it's great that there are people like you and people like me who can hop out there and create and then be able to turn around and teach. 
I wanted to mention too, since, you know, we're trying to stay on the topic of quote unquote controversy or trend setting or whatever you want to call it. A few years ago, like when Phelps won the Olympics, like all the massage therapists started stealing my photos. I really don't give a shit if they steal my photos, whatever. But they weren't like giving me credit for it. And then it got to be a little too much. And I'm like, dude, I want to like let you use my stuff anyways. So I'm non-confrontational. So instead of approaching these people and being like, hey, stop stealing my shit. It's rude. I decided to contact a local glass blower to make me some glass cups that well, were colorful. You're talking about photos of cupping, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Just wanted so to yeah, like, I, I give my info freely. Use mm. my photos. It's great. You know, my photos are amazing. I don't want people to use cliche stuff. But then they started stealing my content and my verbiage, everything. And I'm like, ugh. So a lot of customers come in just to get photos done literally just to take a photo for Instagram or Facebook. It's crazy because fire cupping looks nuts. Anyways, I started getting these custom hand-blown colorful glass cups made because instead of confronting my colleagues, I decided to get something that they could not replicate at all. And even if they tried to share those photos, I could definitely say, nope, this is mine. And your client is never going to get cups that look like this because you have no idea how to get these made. I did tell a couple of good friends of mine who do cupping and they ordered from the people and then I sent some as gifts to people and then I made a huge order and I sold out within two days. I literally made $4,000. Well, I had to buy the cups too, but it was four grand and I'm like, damn, great moneymaker. And now there's dozens and dozens of therapists out there like who's using glass cups. And now I'm like, okay, guys, this is how you find a local glass blower. This is what's going to get you 40,000 views on Google instead of 30 views. It's nuts all because doing something a little wacky and outside the box, like it's still the same treatment. It's still the same results. But, you know, I have Star Wars sheets and hand-blown glass fire cups that look so cool in photos. Like, yeah, it's a little wacky, but it's not a cliche image, you know. thought that was kind of cool to unintentionally start a trend on hand-blown glass fire cups. Like fire cups have been around forever. 4,000 years. Cupping's been around. Fire cup's been around forever. I didn't invent it. I just took some photos and tagged some people. And how cool is that now? It's like such a wacky, fun thing. What I like to talk about in the Massage Success Club is about curation versus creation. It's hard to invent something new, but the new creation is curation. So if you can be a curator, so you curated an experience for your clients with the Star Wars sheets, with the custom glass cups and everything, you've taken elements from things that you enjoyed and you put them together into experience, almost like an art museum. You know, you wouldn't want to go to a museum and have every piece of art imaginable. You would want a curated experience of like the best pieces of art because you don't need to waste your time looking at, you know, what little Johnny drew. 100 years ago. <laughs> right. You know, our colleague's been more with my massage world. She actually just did a really great video on that a couple months ago about instead of marketing a niche, market an experience. And that's what I do when I go to a customer's house. I'm like, yo, you need a house organizer or a babysitter while I'm there. You know, you want somebody to cook you dinner. Like, I can hook you up. But I love doing that because I'm custom curating like a staycation with, you know, local tea and you know, a gift bag from local vendors. And I love it. And love that because I'm such a curator. Yeah, I love being the idea of a book curator. This is so weird. I've never told anybody this. I used to want to be a butler, not maid, 
where I could just like be super fancy, bring people champagne and bring them around town and to see all the cool stuff. I'm just like such an acts of service person. Like everything I do from art, massage to travel, everything involved around curating a really good experience like in that area from shopping at the farmer's market to getting to know people in our online communities who live in that city to going on a hiking space. You know, I've curated my dream life, but what I'm doing is nothing new. Like it's been done a million times with a million different versions. I just picked out what I like the best from what I've been exposed to. And I just live my life like that. I don't look at what other people are doing unless I'm trying to do the exact opposite. I love doing the same thing with books, picking out the right book for someone. For me, my friend called it the position of being God's librarian to help somebody with where they're at in their life. And that's what relationship building is all about is knowing like who could benefit from what. And if you see that an entire industry has a need for something, you fucking do it. It's really important to not be like the norm and, and do something different. If you can't find what you're looking for, create it. If you can find what you're looking for, amazing. Be a part of it. Everyone benefits. That's one of the things that I think is interesting is this idea of collaboration. I know this could be a whole podcast itself, but the collaborating with an existing, instead of competing with who you're coming up against, find ways to collaborate, find ways that your skills work together. You know, like this, you run Badass Body Workers. I run Happy Successful Massage Therapist. You decided to start up a podcast at the same time when I did. I wish I had started it in August. You wish you had started it five years ago. But, but both today have... is a real day. Someday yeah. is not a real day. Someday does not exist. Mm -hmm. I get yeah, stuck in this someday mentality, like in this analysis for all. Yeah, I love that quote. There's seven days in the week and someday is one of them. But Sunday but... fun day is. Yep. <laughs> People are always like, oh, Monday, I hate Monday. And I'm like, that just means my day in French. So whatever. Monday is okay. Monday's a day. Monday's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's Tuesday and Wednesday and all the other days. You make it awesome. What they think it means. Like it's it means the beginning the, of the corporate work week. The grind. Yeah. The end of fun. You know, so many people are like, work, 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 work. And then, okay, I'm going to recover. <laughs> it's basically what the weekend is for. I'm trying recovering. to live my life backwards, actually. I know some people who kind of do it like I do. They, they want to do all of this traveling and stuff while they're young and have the experiences and create the memories because when we're older, by the time we're retirement age, who knows how our health is going to be? We're not physically going to be the same as we were 20 years ago. You know, I know people who travel and nomad around and they don't just get married right away and have babies and start the corporate life or whatever. They do all the traveling and stuff first, and then they work really hard, really quickly to retire really quickly instead of just putting in your time and money into the pension. It's quote unquote security, but it's also kind of entrapment at the same time because like my brother, for example, he's scared to death to leave his job because he gets insurance and it's not even the best insurance. And I'm like, you could get a job that pays you more and do more stuff on the side to pay for your own insurance, but miserable in this job is your shitty insurance really worth it no amount of comfort is worth suffering a mediocre life in my opinion that's the hard part knowing when to leave or knowing if to leave that's why people need coaches that's why people need guides that's why people need leaders is because a lot of times they don't trust themselves well what do you have when. to do to lead you all you have to do is be like two or three steps ahead of somebody else that's literally all you have to do yeah 
it blew my mind when my friend told me, he's like, you don't have to be a level 10 to teach level one. You only need to be a level two. That reminds me, one of my friends is an incredible tie-dye artist and he would always be like, oh, I don't want to post my stuff online because the people who are better than me are going to see it and critique it. And I said, the people who are better than you don't give a shit what you're doing. They don't. And if you are so intimidated by the quote unquote competition, why don't you just say, hey, man, I love your work. I'd love to interview you. Why don't you create a podcast and bring the whole community together and share? Because it's such a great art form. It's so artistic and amazing, but you don't have to be scared to put your stuff out there online because you think that all your superiors are going to critique you. I'm not really paying attention unless I'm working directly to a lot of people who are 10 steps behind me. Unless they need me, I will. But like, I'm not going to occupy my brain space critiquing them, like looking at what they're doing. Like nobody really does that. It's a mindset thing. First of all, anybody who's in a, some sort of better position is going around critiquing others. Obviously, there's something else going on. For him, what's so bad about getting feedback about what you can do better? Especially well, for someone it. who's ahead of you. Well, that's it. His feedback is a little bit different than critiquing. I think critiquing yeah. doesn't really add any value. Feedback does. But in order to get feedback, you have to be receptive. And a lot of people aren't because then you know we could mm-hmm. dive down a whole rabbit hole of people's egos being inflamed and acting from a place of fear, which is pretty much what this whole episode's about, you know, it's acting from a place of fear instead of just doing something unknown and wacky and crazy. And sometimes, you know, it's like spaghetti. Sometimes it sticks to the wall. Sometimes it doesn't. It's interesting that you say acting from a place of fear. I think people act from a place of fear, but in the fact that it drives them, like for me, when I was younger, I would climb up on the high branch of this tree just swing off of the rope because I knew that it scared and I knew that I wanted to get over it and I wanted and it to end up off. a three-eyed raven if you <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's who I am when is something too controversial I think in order for something to be controversial it has to be paid attention to and quite honestly I don't pay a lot of attention to the news and things that aren't related to me getting directly to my goals you know so I think in order to think something is actually controversial you have to be aware of it and see it and i just don't pay that much attention to drama and low vibe like garbage on tv or drama on facebook something is controversial to someone whenever it threatens your core values and that's a completely different definition for me or interpretation for me than it is for you but if somebody threatens my core value of having freedom like i'm like oh shit i have a visceral reaction my body goes into fight or flight mode and i'm like oh fuck like I'm being threatened. Something that I stand for, something that I live by may no longer be there for me. I have to like get kicked into gear. I find something controversial whenever it threatens my core values. And I think most people can probably say the same. I created this game. It's a weed card game. You can find it on Amazon Prime. Find it on our website, potatogames.com. When I put out this game, I basically put it out and I was like, okay, this isn't even going to be like the final version. I know this isn't going to be the final form of this game because I know it's going to improve friend, as it goes. Did your friend make it? or? Oh, I made it with my friend. We ended what? up. Yeah, that we got, is your game? I didn't know that yeah. was your game. I thought you just like bought some random shit on Amazon and mailed it to me, which was no. super sweet. <laughs> That's just, your no, game? No, this is my game. Yeah. Damn. Okay, so. I'm going to submit a bunch of questions to you. So just. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I made the other one. I made the drinking one as well. But, yes. Uh, I made this actually last year during COVID. So. Yes, that's amazing. And this one I made 
about four years ago. But, you know, we're running a lot of different stores and stuff. But that's not the point. The point is that it's a controversial game. I mean, it's weed and a lot of it and is dares and questions. Basically, truth or dare mixed with weed is kind of how I describe it. Oh, it's like some it? cards against humanity. Tone. I'm going to read one of the cards. Oh, God. Okay. okay. This one's funny. Okay. This is a question from 420, the card game. And is name something that you hate and why? Name something that I hate. I hate when people are vindictive. I hate vindictiveness. I hate what it does to people. I hate that they're so caught up in their own trauma and triggers that they're likely going to just keep acting from a place of being in that mindset instead of humbling themselves and learning and just letting go of their ego and just really trying to become the best version of themselves. I hate when people are just, they're stuck. They're stuck and they're reactive and they're vindictive. That's one thing I hate. Um, I also really hate tamarind. Can't fucking stand it. Can't eat tamarind. Can't eat beets. <laughs> so <laughs> those are two other things I hate. But uh, yeah, I try not to hate. I feel moments of hate. But I try not to hold on to that feeling of hatred because that will poison your soul. What about you, Eric? What do you hate? Oh, I hate it when people like rub their hands together really fast with lotion in it during a couple's massage and it sounds like wet macaroni. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that too. Just during a couple's massage? That's very specific. <laughs> yes. Well, anytime. Wet macaroni is gross, but uh, mm-hmm. your turn. <laughs> I really can't stand the feeling of it's almost like a sandpapery feeling. I don't know. I'm big on textures. So like, it's like nails on the chalkboard. And like my gritty? Brain, like gritty kind of like a soft grit almost. So you don't Rubbing. eat hummus? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not eating or anything like that. It's definitely more of a tactile thing. Like my hands. Like if there's a table and like somebody's partially sanded it and it's like not smooth and it's not rough. It's just like has that weird in between. Like that to me gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know why. So I'm assuming you don't have popcorn ceiling in your house. Oh, that would be like just the tiny popcorn. That would definitely be kind of feeling that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> See, people are so weird and unique, you know? Mm-hmm. As far as like for people, like I hate when people play the victim. For me, mm-hmm. that's just the most irritating thing. Like take your responsibility, like get in the driver's seat and just put your hands up and be like, I'm not driving. I'm not in control of my life. Like somebody else is doing it but you got to teach them how to shift the gears sometimes so you can't throw people into a situation you know and expect them to know how to not be a victim anymore they have to get over their ego and humble themselves and own up to it and that's the in-between that's very 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 difficult to do this would be so much fun as a game show like yes okay here's another one what is a weird thing that turns you on hmm does it have to be weird that's weird. I mean, weird is kind of subjective. I really, this sounds so cheesy, but I really like emotional intelligence. I think it's so sexy. Like when somebody can have a conversation that's deeper than surface level. Now, some of those conversations can get really, really weird, but just, but just being aware, you know, most people, like when you're talking to them, they're just on their phone or they're distracted or they're doing something else or just having awareness will go such a long way as far as food stuff oh man all kinds of food stuff be turning me on man i'm a foodie 
I live in Louisiana. I can't help it. <laughs> you know, like, take You're like mm, gumbo. Give me that gumbo. <laughs> oh, no, no, I can't eat gumbo because that's my dog's name. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not gumbo. No, but it is our national dish and it's very, very tasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are weird. We're weird, folks. Yeah, we are weird. But... Let your freak flag fly. Yeah, that's pretty much what we've come to this episode. Yeah, that was it. That's all we got, folks. Hey, bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Happy Successful Massage Therapist podcast with Eric DeGear. Join our free Facebook group under the same name. If you are interested in one-on-one coaching or our massage mastermind group, you can apply at degear.biz and massagesuccess.club. Please support our podcast by purchasing the 420 and Happy Hour Games at potatogames.com. Get $10 off when you buy both games using the secret code PODCAST. As always, see you on the flip side.